Actually, the whole worship was lovely this morning, wasn't it? Like, it was just really quite sweet. That's really loud up here, Stephen. I think it's the fallbacks. Well, that's what it sounds like when I play the guitar. <laughs> it sounds very much like that. <laughs> um, for those that have been here the last couple of weeks since Pastor Mark uh, was here, Pastor Mark talked about our identity, who we are in God, that we're his workmanship, his excellence, really. And I continued, uh, I guess, in that, in that path in that vein last week in sharing our identity, our true identity as children of God. And considering that we've got Mike Skews coming next week, because as Mel shared, we're very firm believers here that the best us is the best us for everyone, regardless of what we go through. Sometimes you can't be the best you until you realise who you are, yeah? until you fully, fully, fully grab hold of your true identity in God. I loved what Ross said earlier when he goes, sometimes we hear these truths and we say yes and amen and we're, we're, we're loving what we're reading and what we're being, you know, what's being shared with us and what the word of God is saying. And as much as we're agreeing with it and we're saying yes, sometimes we don't truly, fully embrace it and live with it. That simple question, you know, love conquers all. Well, we would all say, yes, love does, amen, Jesus, love conquers. But does love conquer all in your life when you're going through your stuff, your trial, your tribulation, your, your trouble? Is that line that you've said yes and amen to, is that real for you? It's no different to when it comes to our identity, who we are as the children of God, what we've been blessed with, not because of anything we've done, but solely because of what has been made possible through the cross. So in the lead up to Mike, I reckon if we can start to position ourselves in a place where we're not just saying, yes, we believe that truth, but yes, we believe and we're stepping into and owning, owning, owning that truth. Peter McHugh often says you can rent a thought or, or you can own it, yeah? When you own it, it's different from renting it because you're there and it's yours, but at the end of the day, you've got no responsibility to maintain it. But when you own it, you've got to maintain it. So let's see if we can maintain this truth in our lives. I'm really bouncing off a couple of verses today all the way through, and so we'll read them together, um, so to speak. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light, or his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's going to be the basis of where I go today. So, Father, I just pray that you would have your way in the word, that it would be clear, that it would make sense. Father, I pray in the same way that I hear your voice preaching this truth inside of me, uh, Lord, that I would do it justice as I share it, Lord, with our family. In Jesus' name. Now, I don't think I do this often, but every once in a while, depending on circumstance, but have you ever just thanked yourself for being alive? You know, actually, just thank you for being alive. I don't, someone said every day, I don't think I do that every day. I might see a news story, see a car crash, see, a, see something, you know, that's really quite graphic and think, oh, thank God I'm alive, you know. Or someone in my family is suffering with sickness or illness and then I think, oh, thank God I'm alive. Have you ever considered what it means to actually be alive for you and I created in the image of God? I, I made a list. We have the ability to see, to hear and feel, majority of us. Sometimes we need some aids, yeah, but we can do those things. Actually, funnily enough, someone wanted to pray for me the other day at the citywide prayer for my sight so that I could see. I go, I can see. They go, no, with you, out your glasses. I go, but I like the look. <laughs> like, get, let's not go there. I like the look. Like, oh, but you can put just glut. No, that doesn't work. You know, that, that would be wrong. Anyway, <laughs> we see, we hear, we feel. We can ponder some of the life's deepest mi mysteries, really, you know. We can think and meditate the awesome reality of life. We, you and I have the ability 
yeah, good or bad, to form judgments, yeah, and to know right and wrong, good and bad. Look, we can even we can even tell what's beautiful and what's ugly, yeah. You know, when someone says that every baby is beautiful, that's not true. Some babies are ugly, yeah. No one's got the courage to say amen, do you? Come on. Have you ever seen an ugly baby? My middle daughter, oh, I hope she never listens to this message. She wasn't beautiful when she was born. She is now. She gets married in about six weeks. But when she was born, it didn't fit on the beautiful side. Anyone ever seen a beautiful, you know, an ugly baby? Come on, be honest. Oh, you guys are going to just leave. Two people are saving me. The rest of you are leaving. Just going to let me die out here on my own. You know, lying is not an attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we get to feel and experience amazing emotions like love, even hate, yeah? We can experience joy and discouragement, wonder, hope, gratitude. We can plan, reason in our lives. We can accomplish stuff. We can do stuff. That's just a snapshot of what it is to be alive, yeah? Now, one of my favourite genres of movies is and will always be anything to do that's unbelievable. So usually something superhero-ish or sci-fi. It's not believable, yeah? But one of my greatest lines, and probably one of the greatest known, known lines in the Spider-Man universe, is when Peter Parker's Uncle Ben says, with great power comes great responsibility. So if we're alive, and being alive, we've just looked at some of the things that we've got this privilege of enjoying, yeah, Man, why have we got that privilege? Why can we see, hear, feel, touch, judgments, enjoy joy, joy, happiness, experience, you know, a whole myriad of things? And I think it's because of who we are. Only reason we get the wonderful honour of experiencing all that and more is because of who we are, because of our identity. And so... If that's the case, and we've got this wonderful identity as children of God, why have we got this identity? Why did God bestow us with such a wonderful blessing? Why? We're alive. We get to experience all this great stuff. The highs and lows of life. Things that if we really stop and ponder, life is just for lack of a better word in church, magical. You know, if I want to be super Pentecostal, life generally is awesome when we remember the right things. Why, 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 why do we get to experience all that? How did we get this identity that he's given us? And what are we here for? And, and I actually believe that Father God has given us the answer to those questions in those two verses in, in First Peter. And so that's what I want to try to unpack for us today who am i how did i get this identity you know how how did i get it yes we're children of god but but who are we as children of god yeah and then if i am a child of god with this great identity why am i here it's not just to look pretty that some of you do exceptionally well yeah it's not just for that so in that passage of scripture in First Peter, let's keep in mind that it's Peter, yeah? He's writing. Not Peter Parker from Spider-Man, but the Apostle Peter, and he's, he's talking to Christians. He's actually talking to people who believe. And now, I, I want to suggest that there are a number of ways of describing our identity in answering the who we are. Who are we? When answering who am I? There's actually a number of answers to that. Yes, we're children of God, but we can unpack that a little bit. And this is some of the truth that we need to own that we need to walk into and grab hold of not just say yes and amen to is that all right so first up you and i as we move into next week with mike yeah we're a chosen people we are a chosen people that word is really important yeah first peter 2 9 right at the beginning but you are a chosen people I need to make a point to make a point, yeah? He says, you're a chosen people. This is group identity. He says, all of you, you are, we are a chosen people, yeah? And he's talking about the church. He's talking about true Israel. 
But the suggestion is also, it's individual. He's, as much as he says, you are a chosen people, he's saying you, 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 you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. And he, he makes an individual, and I want to go down this road so I can make a point, that the people he chooses, it's not, a, it's, it's not racial. He, he doesn't have favourites, yeah, because of nationality or colour. It means that you're a chosen people, and it doesn't matter whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're red, whether you're yellow, just go with me for a minute, yeah, whether you're brown. The chosen people are a new people from all peoples. He has chosen us amongst all peoples. I share all of that just to say this. What gives us our identity is not the colour of our skin and it's not the culture that we grew up in. It's simply because Father God, Abba, chose you. Yeah? Full stop. He chose you. So Christians are not white people. Yeah? Yeah? They're a chosen people. They're not black people. They're a chosen people, regardless of skin colour. At the end of the day, you and I, regardless of our culture, where we grew up, whether you have some wonderful ethnicity in your heritage, it doesn't matter. God chose you as his people. And so when someone is speaking over your life that's telling you that you don't belong, you'll never fit in, yeah, hear me, all of us... Most of us have had similar words spoken of our lives as we've grown up. Things that are so deeply rooted in our subconscious that if you really did a work with a good counsellor and with Holy Spirit, you discover that some of those things have taken root. Yeah? When those things were spoken over your lives, now we can say, no, no, actually I do fit in. I will amount to something. I am a chosen person. In fact, chosen by the very hand of God. I am a chosen person. That's why this scripture is so important for us as individuals because we're part of the chosen people. You and I make up who God has chosen. And I, I don't know how I can put a greater emphasis on that, but the creator of everything around us, yeah, the air that we breathe, the leaves on the trees, the cold, the heat, that God actually chose you, yeah? That God actually chose you. That is more mind-blowing than when your wife or your husband chose you, yeah? You know how you think, man, I don't know how that person chose me. You know, when you look across the street and you think, oh, how did that guy get her? You ever had that thought? No one? People have that thought with me and Mel all the time. How did that guy get her? You know what? She chose me. Yeah? How did we become children of God? He chose us. Didn't matter. He just, he just loved us and so he chose us. Yeah? So who am I? You're chosen. There is nothing in us of value, which is a really sad way of putting it, right? That, that makes us better than anybody else other than the simple truth that we didn't earn it, we didn't meet any conditions, we weren't born into it, he just said, I choose you. Yeah? yeah? yeah. We should stand in awe of that thought alone. Right. Who remembers growing up at school um, and they, you know, you'd be playing some sort of sport, sport, netball, football, soccer, handball, up ball, down ball, I don't know, sport. And so you get two people that are going to be the captains of the teams and then they start choosing. Who remembers that? Yeah, yeah. Waiting in line to be chosen. Then if you had any sort of ability for that sport or that activity, you knew you were one of the first ones. You know, and you walked over to your group as they chose you. It's like, of course, man, you know, I'm the best player out here. Of course you chose me now while all the other lemons up there are waiting, yeah? And... Who remembers what it felt like if you happened to be one of the last ones in that group? Yeah, it's like, oh man, really? And I didn't want to be on their side. I wanted to be on their side. Neither of them want me, you know? Like that was the worst feeling in the world. That's nothing like God. Nothing like God. 
So the brilliant the brilliance of God is this that He can line us all up and every one of you has the right to say that you are God's favourite because that's how much He loves you. That's how much He loves me. Yeah? I am the apple of His eye. But the truth is that's truth for you too. And so when He chooses, I mean there's no first and there's no last. He just chooses. Yeah? You don't have any regrets. It's got nothing to do with your skill level. doesn't matter if whether your captain, your friend was the captain. He just chose you. That's how good our God is. You were chosen. I love this thought. Still in 1 Peter in chapter 2, but we're going to jump to verse 10 for a minute. You are mercied, you're graced, you're loved. We are mercied, graced and love. Someone says, I don't love you. Who cares? I am chosen by God. I am loved by him so much that as it reads in verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you're a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, yeah, and you could put in brackets here, Andrew Battistella emphasis, but I loved you so much that now you have received mercy. Yeah? That's who we are. You got this is our identity. Yeah? As children of God, I am chosen. As a child of God, I am mercied. I am graced. I am loved by him. Man, that is phenomenal stuff. See, first God chose us. He knows that we've got sin and guilt and condemnation in our lives, but he chose us anyway. And then he pours his mercy on us so that we can be saved. People don't get that. Because how can a loving God choose you when you're not right? Well, because that's how much he loves us. And in fact, so much, and he goes, and by the way, here's my mercy. Here's me giving you what you don't deserve because that's how much I love you. You are my mercy, my grace, my love. You're my chosen people. Imagine being able to articulate that with people, friends, family. Yeah. Imagine if our kids could grow up in a family environment yeah, and this is me pointing the finger at me, you know. What's the old saying? If I point at you, there's three pointing back, so I'll do it that way. <laughs> you know, imagine if our kids grew up saying, man, my, my parents, they chose to have me, because there's so many kids out there that say that I'm a mistake, yeah. My parents, they love me, and they show mercy all the time. They're forever just they're pouring their love on me, even when I don't deserve it, when I muck up, when I play up, yeah. We're not only chosen, we're mercy, we're loved. A good way to think of it is like this. We're not just the objects of his choice, but the objects of his mercy. Yeah? The objects of his mercy. God didn't just choose us and stand away from us. He chose us when we were separated from him, while we were still sinners doing our own thing, and he stepped in close to us to give us his mercy. I love that. I so love that. I just wish that as I was growing up, if, as things were said, spoken, as feelings, you know, the, you know those feelings, those emotions that overtake you, that's why the Lord says you need to take captive every thought. I wish that I was quick enough to say, hold on a minute. Man, let me just stand in that truth that I said amen to once. I'm chosen by God. I'm, he has poured his mercy, his grace, his love on me. Get out, yeah? Imagine. If that was what we were able to do. We have been shown mercy. So we get our identity. This is the beauty of it. To own this, we don't have to do anything but truly believe it and grab hold of it. We get our identity not from our actions, but from God acting upon us. He chose us. He showed mercy on us. Yeah? He did it. It was his action. He is the original action man. Yeah? Who had those dolls? Anyone have an Action Man doll growing up? No one? If you do, I'll take it. It's probably worth money now. He is the original Action Man. It's got nothing to do with you and me, but everything to do with him. Did you know you are God's possession? God's possession. First Peter 9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession. <laughs> First Peter 2.10 
right at the beginning of verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. So you're chosen. He, he pours mercy on your life. And the effect of that mercy is now he takes possession of you. Yeah, This sounds so wrong for some, but I love it. God owns me. Father God, the creator of everything, I am his possession. He owns me. I own my children, so to speak, and if anyone tries to take my girls or my boys out of these, these hands, I will do some serious damage, yeah? They're only small fists, but with 110 kilos behind the shoulder, they do damage. They are my possession. They are my children. We are God's children. You don't have a family. didn't have a mum and dad. I was an orphan. You know what? There are many people like that. But now you can step into this simple truth. You are God's possession. God owns you. He paid a price for you, yeah? Oh, I so love it. I took Samuel. We've got a, a neighbour next door, uh, Dave, that we're praying for. And I think Dave's close to 70 and he's just recently discovered he's got cancer for the second time. And they're inoperable. They're not sure if he'll make Christmas. So we're praying that God will do a work there. He's having chemo, not for healing, just to extend his time. Yeah, that's where he's at. And uh, I was chatting to him the other day and was just mentioning that my son's been collecting coins lately. And he goes, oh, what sorts? I go, oh, 50 cent pieces, all of them. You name it, he's got different books that tell him what he's looking for. $2 coins, he gets those. He go, I go, did you know there's these $2 coins that have got little coloured circles in the middle of them? Anyone seen them? I've never seen them before. Who ever noticed them? I don't look at coins. I get coins in my hand. I get any money in my hand. It goes like this, straight out of my hand, straight into Mel's pocket. Yeah? That's how it works. I don't see coins straight into my hand, straight into it. doesn't even touch my pocket. There's a, there's a truth there. Trust me, I'm in so much trouble later. Anyway, so I'm talking to Dave and he goes, oh, he goes, I've got a whole bunch of coins. And so he goes out, pulls out this bag and he goes, these ones, and he starts putting them on this small table in his house. And I go, yeah, like that. I said, my son, he's still trying to find the full set of all of those, you know. And he goes, well, you could come over. I tell him that they're worth 100 bucks. Anyway, so I let Samuel know, you know. I didn't want Nathan to know because Nathan will be jealous. I'll tell Samuel. Hey, Samuel, I was speaking to Dave and he's got these $2 coins that you can go next door and you, you, you can grab. For, ask my wife, for the next five days, morning, noon, night, after school, before school, have you spoken to Dave yet? Have you spoken to Dave yet? When are we going to go over? When are we going to go over, Dad? Dude, just relax. It's the weekend. I've just taken you to football. I've got to take you to basketball. I've got to prepare for church. I've got people over. I'll get there every single day. Finally, I go, okay, I'm going to go over and see Dave, see if I can bring my son over. I go over to the door. Hey, Dave, how are you going? Remember those coins? I want to bring my son over. And he's looking and he lifts up his hand. He's got a hospital tag because I've just come back from hospital. So, no, he's dying of cancer. And I'm like, oh, now I feel like, please open up ground and just take me live. Take me now. It's like, no, no, not now. I, I wanted to know if it's convenient to bring Samuel. He goes, oh, yeah, tomorrow at 4.30. So I bring my son, and there he is, and they're talking coins, and they've got coins on couch arms and on tables, and then Samuel does the trade. And so Samuel even asks. He takes four or five coins. And he goes, how much is that? And the guy goes, it's, you know, Dave goes, it's $8 or $10. And Samuel goes, okay. So he gives him the money, and he's all happy, and he goes, you can come back and have another look. Anyway, so I tell all that story to say... Now, Nathan wants coins too, yeah? <laughs> he wants to look at Samuel's coins. Samuel doesn't even want to show him his coins, yeah? They're his. He paid for them. They're his possession. No one is going to take those coins out of his books, yeah, out of his hands, not unless he's dead, breathless, and lifeless. They are his, yeah? For a $2 coin, Samuel... Well, it was like, Mom, get Nathan. It's not, that's mine. Don't touch it. Get away. Tss, like that. That's the reaction you have, yeah? God's like that when someone tries to touch you. Someone tries to get into your life, tries to rob you, take you, get a closer look at you. Father God, you are his possession. And he paid a price that he thought was fair. <laughs> yeah? Totally not fair.
to have to sacrifice your son. But he thought that was a fair price to pay for us. And now he owns us, so to speak. We are his possession. And nothing is going to take us out of his hands. You don't belong here. Who do you think you are? You never fit in. You're the worst. You know what? God, I, I belong to God. I don't know who you belong to. I belong to God. He chose me. Poured his mercy and grace on me. I am his possession. You know, 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So when God says, I will be their God, they will be my people, he's saying, they will be my possession. They will be mine. We are chosen, mercy, loved. We're his possession. We are the ones that the creator of the heaven and earth chooses to walk and talk with. No one else. Us. Yeah? Think about it. Man, imagine if you were a manufacturer of a car and you, had, and you spoke to everyone that ever bought your vehicles impossible when it goes around the globe but imagine if you had something that was worth imagine speaking to the person who who made ferrari for the first time or you know something so super supernatural is not even the word i'm getting lost in my own thoughts but something so wow did you actually create the first ferrari did you actually make that you know when you you meet someone that that is actually the founder of something that's actually something that you admire well god is the founder of the heavens and the earth yeah he is the founder of the heavens and the earth and he wants to walk and talk with you. I don't know why. Some of us, some of you, you're really hard to talk to. I caught up with someone, asked my wife on Friday and I got home later that night and I said, I caught up with so-and-so. It was really good. No one in the church, by the way, put that out there. It was like, it was a really difficult conversation. Why? Well, because they don't talk. I had to do it. I had to talk about everything, you know. And then there would be pauses. I don't cope with pauses. <laughs> and I can only drink so many coffees. Like, you know, because that fills the pause. But when I'm drinking black coffees instead of milky coffees, because I'm trying to lose weight for my daughter's wedding, they go really quick. And after three or four of those, it's like this is costing me a fortune to have this conversation. Can't you talk more? Yet God, still in amongst all of that, still wants to talk to some of you. I don't get it, but it's God. You are, you're his. You're his possession. It matters not. It matters not what's ever been spoken. It matters not what our emotions and our thoughts say. It matters only what he says. Is this truth real? Have I rented it or am I actually going to own it today? Will I own it today for my life? The fact that we are in a personal relationship with him forever, that alone should bring a peace no matter and regardless of the darkest nights of our soul. That is enough to break through. Just there. That's our identity. We are holy. Still, 2 Peter verse 9, chapter 2. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And he just keeps giving us more and more, not just titles, but identity. This is who we are. We're a holy nation. We're not just part of the world. It, the Bible says that we're sojourners. We're just passing through. We're not part of just that. We're now a holy nation. Sit apart for God. We exist for God. We exist for Father, for Abba, for Papa. We exist for him. <laughs> And what I loved is since our God, our Father is holy, we're holy, we share his character. That's not bad. Because I'm reasonably certain growing up, my mum would say that I wasn't a holy child. But I can stand today to say that I share the character of God simply because he chose me. You share the character of God simply because he chose you. That is your identity. You are holy because of him. You are his children. <laughs> Our identity is holiness to the Lord. Yeah, We are holy, a holy nation. And believe it or not, you're a royal priesthood. Yeah, You and I, we are a royal priesthood. 
You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We now have direct access to God. This is your identity, yeah? Kings and priests. This is your identity, not sinners saved by grace. This is who you are in him, a royal priesthood. We don't need another human priest as a mediator, yeah? You have direct access to God yourselves. You can sit at home, in your car, lay in bed, wherever you like, out on the grounds at the church, in the middle of a Safeway aisle, and you have direct access to Father God. That's pretty special. We only ever needed one mediator, and that was Jesus. Jesus did his job well, yeah? And now you and I have direct access as a holy priesthood. So go with me here. If we're a holy priesthood, do you know what a priesthood does? Do you know what a priest does? A priest doesn't just minister to people. <laughs> a priest actually ministers to the Lord. As his holy priesthood, we actually have this wonderful privilege and honour now yeah, to minister in the presence of God. That's, you find another faith that, as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't care what it is. If it's outside of Jesus, it's false, it's not real, and it's not going to lead you to the one true living God. Jesus is the only way to the Father. I do believe what it says in Romans, that there's enough evidence in creation itself that man is without excuse. Yeah? You can find the creator if you're looking for the creator. Yeah? He sent Jesus. He was our mediator. But now, as a holy priesthood, we have this priestly service to minister in the presence of God. And how do we minister? In everything you do. Whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're at church, whether you're in your kitchen at home, when you're cooking for someone, because you are never out of the presence of God. So if you have the privilege and honour of ministering in the presence of God, are you ever out of the presence of God? Where can you hide from him? Where can you go that he's not there? This is who you are. Yeah? Everywhere you go now, because of your identity, you are royalty. You are in the presence of God all the time. You don't have a neutral zone. Do you know, for, for those that have been married a, a, a long time, not just those that are reasonably newlywed, have you ever had those moments where you need a neutral zone, a timeout? Yeah? You ever had those moments? <coughs> It must be just me and Mel. That's why we see Mike, so we can work on those things. Yeah, I'm sure all of you are, have got the perfect relationship, so we'll come and see you for counselling. But with God, there's never a time out. There's never a neutral zone. Yeah, It doesn't exist. He is and you are in his presence because of who you are as a chosen, mercy, grace, loved, his possession, royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are always in his presence. Always. We are always in the courts of the Lord. Yeah? So our, our identity, the question of who we are, for me, leads directly to the other question is, what, what are we here for? We're here to minister to the Lord. That doesn't mean that you have to be a priest. That just means in your everyday jobs, work, function, whatever it is, wherever you go, you are a royal priesthood, yeah? Your identity leads to your destiny. Our identity leads to the destiny that he's bestowed upon us, that he's planned and purposed for us. You know, and unfortunately, and this is why identity is so important, if our identity is distorted, our destiny is distorted, yeah? If we can't get this thing right with our identity, then our destiny will always be distorted. Yeah, unless you understand who you are because of whose you are, you'll never fulfill the plan and purpose he has for you. The enemy has done a great job in robbing us of our true identity. He did that from the beginning. We looked at that last week. He's, and he does that so that he can strip the destiny that God has on his chosen people. Yeah? But we're chosen. We're mercied. We're possessed. We're holy. Possessed as in owned by. <laughs> Not that other possessed. You could go possessed by the Holy Spirit if you like, but we we'll, 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 won't go there. You know, how do we get this identity? God gave it to us. I love it. God gave it to us. Our identity is because we're in relationship with God. Amen? Yeah, that's, 
We're, a cho- we're chosen by God, graced by him, owned by him, set apart and made holy by him. We're invested now into his kingdom as royal priests. It's all because of him. You are who you are and it's his fault. Yeah, you had nothing to do with it. You're a royal priesthood. Yeah, you're kings and priests, children of God. And it's his fault because he gave it to you. It's the identity that he gave to you. And if he gave it to us, nothing, no thing can take it from you. No mistake, yeah? No, I fell over, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have said that. All those thoughts, all that person, all that church, yeah? Nothing. Nothing can rob you of your identity if he's given it to you. You can certainly try and choose to give it back to him and walk away from it and live opposite of it. But when you try to live outside of your identity, you're living out of character. Yeah? When you are trying to live outside of who you really are, you're living out of character. Totally out of character. So he gives us this identity and he gives it to us so that we can now walk in it. Walk in it. Be my sons, be my daughters, be my children, be my priests, be my kings. Go, conquer. Farewell, so long, pray, heal, deliver. Let my joy be your strength. Don't let lemons live on your plate every day. Yeah. 1 Peter 2.9, right at the end of that verse is, your God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God gave us the identity we have so that that identity can lead us into our destiny. Yeah, And that destiny is to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. You do that every moment of every day from the moment that you wake up. You'll sleep, Holy Spirit ministers to you. You wake up, you can start bringing glory to his name. The minute that you wake up, from the first thing that you do, you're a royal priesthood, you're in his presence. He hasn't left. He's been sitting up by your, on your bedside waiting for you to wake up, just waiting for you to get on with your day so he can walk and talk with you because that's why you're his possession, so he could have a conversation with you, have a relationship with you. That's who you are. Why we keep slipping into other stuff and allowing the cares and worries and concerns of the world to squash us is ridiculous. Yet all of us, if we're to be honest, have moments in every day where we do not live in our true identity. And thus we live out of character and we wonder why we have the cares and problems and concerns that we do. If only we could truly own that thought. Like the thought love conquers all, this is who we are. He says that we exist for a reason, to declare the praises, the excellencies yeah, of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful or marvellous light. This is the full-time destiny of a royal priesthood, to make the praises and glories of our king, our father, our abba, our saviour known. Yeah, I, I keep um, remembering that story that Mark told when he was hear how they went and did that course and without sharing the gospel the lecturer knew there was something different about them because from the moment they woke up yeah, their full time destiny as a royal priesthood is to make to the praises and glories of their king know just by the way they lived and that's you and I too you know, our identity is so important but sometimes we feel so far away from God so disconnected from him but it's so untrue I remember Gary Morgan said once that we're like fish swimming frantically through the ocean trying to find the ocean yeah, yeah. did you pick that up? took me a while too when he shared it back then but we're like fish swimming frantically through the ocean trying to find the ocean you can't get away from who you are you can't get away from your true identity. It's who you are. Stop looking for it. Just own it. Just walk in it. Just embrace it. You know, Proverbs 23, 7. Excuse me. 
I've just gone all Godfatherish. Leave the money at the door. Anyway, <laughs> Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. This is why the issue with our identity has got to be settled and locked in because how do we see ourselves? How do we view ourselves? How do we see ourselves in our heart? Because how we see, how we think in our heart, so is he, so are we. We can't see ourselves in our heart as children of God, as his holy nation, a royal priesthood, his possession, chosen and mercy, children of God. If we can't see that, feel that, embrace that in our heart, and we'll never experience it. How do you see yourself? How do I see myself? When we wake up in the morning... What are the thoughts that run through our heads? Are they God's thoughts that are filling our hearts? For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, I pray that we all realise more and more what our true identity is. And our identity is not who we are in or, and of ourselves. It's got everything and only to do with him. Only to do with him. It comes down from God. It's from God. It's the relationship he creates with us. It's the destiny that he appoints for us. For something that's so exciting, you are also very quiet today. Are you realising that you're not living in his identity? Or is, you know, like, come on, this is like hallelujah, praise God, jump up and down in your seats. I know we're not that kind of church, but this is amen, pastor. This is actually, this is good stuff. Yeah? This is a meal that someone places in front of you and you think, I'll take seconds. Thanks. Before your wife says, oh, you've eaten enough. <laughs> this is really good stuff for you and I as children of God. So when we actually encounter others, they encounter who we are, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, mercy, grace, loved by him forever and ever, at every moment, in his presence. Our identity is completely locked in and God-centred. In fact, our identity is to make known God's identity. Yeah? You and I are going to be, for some, the only Jesus they ever meet. Yeah? But it's just in the everyday life that they get to meet Jesus. It doesn't have to be special. I, I really, I almost despise giving practical examples because I think we need to, sometimes we've got to gnaw this stuff out, yeah? But to embarrass a couple of people in the house just because it's known, yeah? I, I think I look at Ray and Vicky and their, gru and their group that's around them doing the, the toys for Christmas. What's it called? God's Christmas Gifts because an A4 page wasn't big enough. So we went with the longest name we could find. God's Christmas gifts. But they've got now probably 1,500 gifts that have been bought or given. Yep, sorry? 1,700. So 1,700 gifts. How many names have you got down? People? About 800. So about 800 families, thereabouts, and the list will grow between now and then. Where around Christmas time, when they've got their lights or doing whatever they do, people will come to receive a gift. Yeah? It's just what God's called them to do. So they're just doing it. Yeah? Why am I pointing that out? Because they're chosen. They're God's possession. They're a holy priesthood. They're doing something in their destiny, in their identity, yeah, that's going to reveal the Father's identity. Do you understand? Um, recently, I'm going to embarrass Laurie. And Laurie's had a couple of men's things at his place. You know? So the guys, you, you would have got a text. Girls, you wouldn't have got a text. But the guys would have got a text saying, hey, we're doing, I've got a, a chicken on a, on a spit or a lamb or, or, or whatever. And he's just done some stuff like that at his place. We were having a conversation, I think it was last week. And uh, I said, oh, I had the last one go. I really wanted to come, but we had prior commitments. You know? Um, and he goes, oh, it was really good. He goes, it looks like there was going to be a couple of people regular from the church that were coming. And he goes, I wondered to myself, really, that who else can I invite? And most of you know, he and uh, Grace have, you know, some uh, Airbnb stuff, you know, bed and breakfast that they have. And so he chose to invite a couple of men that have stayed there over time. Yeah, Just put an invite out. Wait, wait, get this. They came. Now... 
this is how your identity works. They never talked about God. They didn't pull out a Bible. But just as they were there talking, people from the conversation that we had, people said, oh, the paintings. I really love the paintings in the rooms. Who does those? Well, my wife Grace does them. Oh, really? Is she an artist? Yeah, what sort of artist is she? Well, actually, she's a prophetic artist. And all of a sudden, in just living out his identity, he's starting to show the identity of God. You and I, all of us in this room, we need to start to understand that in living everyday life, doing what God has given us in our hands, whether it's something like that, whether it's the gifts, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's showing love on people that are unlovable, when we do that, they actually discover God in that. It's not always the words that you speak. It's not wearing a cross around your neck. Yeah, It's not telling people that you go to church, though that will come up in conversation. It's just living out your true identity because your identity leads to your destiny. And when you're living in your destiny, your identity will actually display the glory of God. For me, that's phenomenal. These seats should be full. Yeah, Not because the worship is awesome here, which it is. Not because the sermons are okay, which I think they're okay. Maybe because I'm patting myself on the back, I don't know. But it's because we're walking and talking in the identity that God has given us. And when we do that, people see his identity. They discover him. And when people get a touch from God, one touch from him changes our lives forever. Man, why wouldn't you want to be around that? Man, I don't want to be around where there's sinners saved by grace. There's enough of that. Please go. Look, I can't cope with that. Woe is me, God. Worms we are. Please, I don't want to pray another prayer like that. I had friends that would pray prayers like that. God is a glorious God that's bestowed on us an identity that makes no sense, that cuts through the deepest darkness of our lives if we own it. Yeah? If we actually own it. Why don't we stand? I want to share a story. Just quickly. And I apologise. I asked my wife this morning if I've shared this story in church and she doesn't believe I have. It was something that I'd found on the internet that I really liked. I just want to make the point that, see, to live out our identity, the true indicator of our identity is that God can be seen in us. Yeah? The true indicator, if you have ownership of who you really are, is that God can be seen in you. And you, yes, you can do that at church, absolutely. You can do it in the church services, preaching, singing, praying, reading. You can do it in the friendship groups where you're loving on one another, but you can do it in your workplace. You can do it at your sporting clubs. You could do it at your etch-a-sketch quilting scrapbooking clubs. Yeah, You can do it at your, your, your cook-ups, your camping, your caravan parks. It doesn't matter where you find yourself when you bring your identity to that place. You will walk into your destiny. When you walk into your destiny, your destiny highlights your identity to highlight the identity that is God. Yeah. But here's a story. It's uh, about Doug Nichols. And Doug was the International Director of Action International Ministries. And I'm just going to read this, yeah? Again, apologies if you've heard it, but I, I just love the point. He made the goodness of God known in a tuberculosis sanitarium in India in 1967. He was a missionary with Operation Mobilisation and he got TB, tuberculosis. He was in a sanitarium for several months. He tried to give tracts and copies of the Gospel of John away, yeah? Because that's a Christian thing to do, Yeah? But no one would take them. They didn't like him and they assumed he was a rich American. At one point, for several nights, he would wake up coughing at 2am. He noticed a little skinny, a little old skinny man trying to get out of bed. The man couldn't stand up and began to whimper. He lay back into bed. In the morning, the stench in the ward was terrible and everyone was angry at the old man for not containing himself. The nurse who cleaned up even smacked the old man for making such a mess. The next night, the very same thing happened. Doug woke up coughing at 2am with his own terrible sickness and weakness. He saw the old man trying again to get out of bed. Again, he couldn't stand and began to cry softly. Doug got out of bed and went over to the old man. The man cowered with fear, but Doug picked him up with both arms, carried him to the bathroom, which was just a hole in the floor, and then brought him back to the bed. The man kissed him on a cheek as he put him down in bed. At 4am, another patient woke Doug with a steaming cup of tea and made motions 
that said he wanted a copy of the booklet, The Gospel of John. Through the whole day, people kept coming to him and asking for his booklets, even though he could not speak their language. In other words, see, we are meant to declare the goodness of God. Yeah? And when we act out of the goodness of God, people will hear, 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 hear our story and our truth and they want to know about God with gladness, yeah? We just have to live out our true identity. Amen? So why don't we pray? Why don't we pray that we can own this truth? Because I think over the years we've taught it here at Mount Clear and as others have, yeah? And I believe we've heard it and we've said amen and yes, we've grabbed hold of it. But I think there are moments in our lives where we're renting that truth and not owning it. Today, let's pray that today that would shift to us owning our true identity as people chosen by God, owned by him, possessed by him, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, mercied and graced and loved by him. Amen? So, Father, in this place and space right now, God, we thank you for the truth of the word. But Lord God, this morning we just don't want to say thank you. Lord, we want to say, can you embed it in our hearts? Lord, can it be a truth that's alive and well in our lives every single day? Father, we pray that who we are because of whose we are, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, Lord, a people whose identity reveal your identity. I pray, God, that we would own that truth, that no matter what comes against us, no matter what's been spoken over our lives, no matter what tricks or ploys the enemy might throw our way to rob us and to, I guess, to drain us and to steal our destiny from us. Lord, I pray that we would take ownership of that truth, that we would stand firm and when trouble comes, we would stand firm again. That we would be a people that others would be attracted to, not because of the words that we speak, but because of them seeing Jesus in us. Because the one Lord, the one true indicator of our identity is that people see God in us. May we here at Mount Clear Church of Christ be a people that people out there see God in us. Lord, we want to declare it and we want to speak it and decree it into this space. Lord, over these lives, Father, that it would infect and have a, Lord, a, a, tangible, a, a, a tangible experience and encounter and, a, a Lord, a, a, a tangible outshowing to those that are around us when they encompass and, and get around us. Well, when they bump into us, may they bump into Jesus. Lord, may we realise that when those thoughts are in our heads that, Lord, there are better thoughts that are truth that we can replace them with. May they be deep, deep in our hearts. So so we think in our hearts, so are we. May we know in the deepest recesses of our soul that we are his children that are chosen, not because of what we've done, solely because of what he's done. So we thank you for this truth. May we live in it with joy for the rest of our lives. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's have a great Sunday, a great week, a great month, a great year, a great life as his children. Amen? Amen. Amen.